Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyoli, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we make the world a more loving place by talking to happy harlots and trailblazing trollops who help us open up conversations about pleasure and desire. Our guest today is a non-monogamous, bisexual, pansexual, overtly sexual, kinky switch who is in an open relationship with the internet. She is into impact play, giving and receiving, cream pies, all kinds of legal consensual experiences that affirm the full range of human sexuality, and speaking from personal experience makes an excellent guide. A talented singer-songwriter with a very sexy voice you are about to hear. Since 2018, she has been a legal brothel courtesan at Sherry's Ranch and a porn actress who is repped by ATMLA if you want to hire her. Welcome, Jupiter Jetson! Hello. I am so excited to have you here. This has been a long time coming. Could you start off by telling us if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shameometer today with 10 being so full of shame and one being not really shamey at all, where do you fall today right now and why did you pick that number? Oh, like a negative nine. <gasps> okay, was it always like that or did you go on a roller coaster to get there? Oh, no, I had to like... I. I had to visit the theme park. I had to like go on all the rides. Go on all the rides. You like to ride. Wait on all the lines. All of it. I had to get sick off a few corn dogs. <laughs> I bet you have. Okay, but like tangibly speaking, do you feel comfy saying if there were times where you felt more shamey or like what kind of helped you get to a negative nine? Oh, I mean, honestly, growing up with a lot of sexual shame is how I had the motivation to get to a negative nine because I definitely. At least for the important formative years of childhood, I definitely grew up in a very repressive, sex is bad, sexual exploration, you know, non-traditional gender identity, all of that is bad, weird, and gross, and stay away from it. So I had to 
spread my slutty wings. Do you feel comfy saying like what region of where you were origined from? Oh yeah, everybody who follows me, if, if you do, I'm, I'm from Cleveland. Okay. So growing up, you weren't a negative nine, you were more of a, like, where do you feel like you hovered in your formative-ish years? I would say up until the age of about, I'd say 11 or 12, I was really on like the sex must be terrible and mm. bad and evil. And then I started having questions about other things. I had been told and taught and conditioned to not approve of. And so I started questioning other aspects of it. And yeah, I'd say I started realizing that there might not be anything wrong with sexuality from a I'd say probably in general a fairly young age from what I've come to find out. And you've confirmed it thoroughly. Did you get the negative numbers because you helped so many other people smash their shame? Is that what earns negative numbers? Do I have negative numbers, I wonder? I think you have <laughs> negative numbers. You're definitely, you might have more negative numbers than I I don't know. Do. I feel like sometimes. I think I'm... this is like Celsius, though. Like the further you get away from zero, the more extreme <laughs> it becomes. True, good point. Can you tell us, in general, if you could articulate, what is sex to you? Oh, I mean, sex is, I mean, at the end of the day, it's an exchange of energy and it's a very specific energy. I mean, I, I don't buy into the idea that sex is P in V or is any one particular act. Only that. Like, because it, it, like, P it in is. V is, does that count is as sex. It's of in course. the, okay, okay. No, no, no. I it's mean, it's just a square and a rectangle don't get me wrong. situation. I'm, I'm, I'm a very sexual being, but it's still more than a handshake. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But no, I, I, I'm just saying it's not limited to that. I think what a sex is any exchange of intimacy that, Oh God, that's a great question. Like, well, and honestly, for you, do you feel like you had sex? I guess it's kind of like the. Do you feel like you had sex? Because if the answer is yes, then yeah, you had. <gasps> that's sex. a great answer. Okay, but how about in a professional context? Because for you, it becomes then more important to define acts of sex, right? For work. Well, yeah, but all of the sex acts that I offer for work are all sex. Got that's it. Why it's oral sex. You know, manual uh, sex. Manual no, what's that called? Sex. Wait, what I call that, that called? mutual masturbation, or you know, I or one way. I confuse so many people saying digital sex that oh. they thought it was like an internet thing, and I'm like, no, You're like, like these the digits. digits. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> those digits. Could you articulate how important, or like, how is sex important in your life? Like, how important is sex in your life, and how is sex important in your life? Mm. I mean, I obviously there is the importance of it in being my means of supporting myself. I mean, sex and sexuality are what pays my mortgage. But I would say that sex was also very responsible because you have those hormonal urges and all of that, that it was very much so a driving factor in me accepting all of the parts of myself from a much younger age than I probably would have. And it led me on a lot more adventures. So I feel you. Oh, I it's like my adventure time, you know? <laughs> and then can you tell us, how are you making the world a sexier, more loving place? I mean, like anything else, you do it one person at a time. I very much so feel like I was put here to be a bit of a sexual Sherpa, you know? <laughs> I was called a sexual Sherpa by one of my lovers, my I pandemic lover. We never kissed. It was weird. But what does that mean to you? Or like, how do you understand that? 
You know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm not unique in having had a fairly repressed attitude towards sexuality in the house I grew up in. And I mean, society as a whole is really repressed. So I everybody carries a lot of shame. Not everybody, but a lot of people carry a lot of shame. And I really like kind of, you know, you know that you can climb the mountain. Let me guide you up that mountain and affirm the entire step of the way that your footing is sure. And um, if your pack gets too heavy, if your shame pack gets too heavy, you can help lift the load? Yeah, yeah <laughs> to a certain – well, I mean, I feel like it's really powerful to be able to I, – I think of myself as a sexy sin eater, you know, I, I get – I just learned about those so, from uh, my best friend after years of that. doing this. I was like, what's a sin eater? Yeah, yeah. Well, but it doesn't destroy you because sin eaters get, like, destroyed or something by, no, it, by taking – No, it just this, no? adds to my sexual power. I love that. And I, I sometimes feel like, you know, it's given me the opportunity to see the things that nobody will share with anybody else. Like, people don't admit their kinks, but when they're coming here and they're paying for it, that's what they're coming here for. And I get the unique perspective of being able to reassure people that actually what you think is the most outrageous, crazy, ridiculous thing that you could ever want. And it's so gross and you can't bring yourself to ask for it. Odds are I'm doing it a few times a week because a lot of people are into that. And it's way more normal than you would ever imagine. Do you have any like specific examples that come to mind? Oh, uh, like foot guys. Foot guys <laughs> always think that they're like the, oh, scandalous. Like it's so, it's, it's just another erogenous zone. Okay. Because they are shy, right? Like so, so foot, shy. Foot people so are at the shy. top of my bucket list for months. I've been like, I want to go on a date with a white tablecloth and play footsie underneath it, and no one has come forward. No one, and I'm like, why are they so shy? No foot person who like that's their thing has. I've had people that are like, no, and I like feet. Foot guys and guys who are into pegging and prostate play are the two I think that think that their personal proclivity is the oh, really? most outrageous and like something that's unspeakable when actually like. I feel like it's so much more common than anybody realizes. I feel because like I hear from so many butt guys. I'm like, no, every butt guy, every guy is a butt guy. You're just God's favorite. <sighs> well, I think it's because I talk so openly about loving butt stuff. I'm creating a echo a, a butt chamber. I like an that. asshole chamber, an echoey asshole chamber. I don't know. <laughs> Any other like things that come to mind about like shamey moments or just stuff that you've been like, no, dude, you're just. That's, Kinky, I mean, honestly, horny. so many, okay. uh, so much of it. I mean, honestly, uh, the things that I find people are the most ashamed of are, is anything that kind of subverts the power structure that they're supposed to be adhering to. If there's somebody who's, you know, a lot of people who want to play around with the power dynamics of being a submissive are people who are given too many decisions and too much power on their shoulders in their day-to-day -day life. And Every submissive that I've ever met in my life thinks that what they're into is like shameful or, you know, something that they have to hide from theirs. Not everyone, but almost all of them that have at least come to me. I'm a biased sample size being somebody In the brothel who, context? Yes. Because I imagine in the context, if you're working with someone professionally. No, no. If you're at a kink party or a professional, like I know plenty. We know so many proud subs. I'm talking about the clients that come here to scratch that itch. And they are coming here and not asking people in their personal lives because they think that it's something that they can only share with a professional. When in actuality, power dynamics are super common to play with in sex on every level. So, And yet maybe in their life, it is true that you are the only person who yeah. they can talk to. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people that are like, 
you're my secret. And I'm like, I'm a podcaster though. That's the (laughs) thing though, is when you are the secret, you get to keep all of the secrets too. Yeah, but you get paid to keep secrets. I do. It's... Could you tell us what your sex education was like? So my school education left a lot to be desired. But my self-education, I'm a millennial. I was raised with the internet to a certain degree after a certain age, at least around sex ed age. So while my official school education wasn't particularly robust, you know, we had resources like Scarletine and things like that. I don't know what that, Scarlet. It was like an old like website that was just a resource for like safe sex information, reproductive health, all of that. They're the only one because their name was so catchy. They're the only name that's coming to the top of my head. But I had the internet in my house. So I did a lot of, and I am a researcher who is comforted by knowledge. So I'm like, why is this evil? Let's ask the internet. Oh. So from a young age or a younger person, did you ever get a sex talk from an adult you trusted? Yes, but it was a sex is bad and it ruins the garden and it ruins, it was like some weird analogy about how basically after you have sex, you're completely worthless and why would anybody want to be with you? You're like, actually, I found the opposite to be true. <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. People want to do something less, the better I get at it. As I, It's not logical. <laughs> like, I happen to know that you also have some pretty intense, amazing professional skills. Like I've seen you, you were the first person that I ever saw do double-handed Florentine flogging. Thank you. How did you teach that? Was it all self-research? Did you have mentors? Like what was that process like? Um, So I, when I was in my wee sex worker days, because I have two periods of my life where I've spent time as a sex worker. This period that we're in is my you know, it's a pirate's life for me. I am uh, in it to win it. This is the only career I think I'm going to have again. But back when I was 18, I did like a stint from, you know, during college, first dancing and then working at a dungeon. And the dungeon I worked at, uh, Le Salon de Sade, and then later Pandora's Box. But specifically Salon de Sade, when you are somebody who's new to the industry and hasn't done any kind of formal training, they kind of offer mentorship from the other dominants. So while they're taking their sessions, you sit in and you watch their sessions. And if they're feeling like extending grace, they'll share some of their skills for you. There's also a great website, Kink Academy, Mm -hmm. where you can, if there's any skills that you feel like you could use some brushing up on or some learning, you can absolutely go on there and watch like detailed videos. I wrote Bondage. I had a couple of books from the Naughty Boys, like some of it self-study, some of it mentorship from other ladies. And practice. And practice. (laughs) Lots and lots of practice. Can you tell us what health and safety practices you need to feel safe with a lover and maybe kind of delineate between your personal and various professional lives? So in my personal life, my professional life does tend to bleed into it in the regard that I am very stringent in my health and safety requirements. I, but don't you wish we all were in all our personal lives? Like, what would you like to normalize? Sorry for interrupting. Oh, my God. No, I would love to normalize not just STI testing, but I would really love to, and this is going to sound so wrong, so please put on a seatbelt and bear with me. I want to normalize catching STIs, not to proliferate STIs. Or make super gonorrhea a thing. Like, cause, no. Because super gonorrhea no. and super chlamydia are becoming a problem because people are like, I can 
take a pill. It's fine. But if I had a dollar for the number of times I've spoken to a civilian and they've told me that they're afraid to get tested for something because they're afraid they might have something, which is a logic I'll never understand, but it's a very common logic. Yeah. I know we all got shame very familiar logic. with it it's with COVID. Logic. Yes. And they're afraid of having something or having to tell partners something. If we regarded things like chlamydia, syphilis, hepatitis, things that there could be vaccines for, things that there could be cures for, things that are fixable as something that are shameful to have, people aren't going to be motivated to catch them. Whereas like, you know, if you're sick and you have a sore throat, you're going to go get swabbed for strep because there's no stigma attached to having strep throat. But there is stigma attached to having you know strep pussy um i thought i had strep throat for 13 of the most miserable days of my life before i got a call from a partner that was like hey my dick has sores on it and then that's when he revealed that he lied to me about his practices and gave me throat herpes because i like deep throating and every doctor was like no couldn't be herpes no 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 not not possible no you'd have to be you'd have to have hiv or be severely immunocompromised to get herpes in your throat and so i try to talk about that a lot I'm on suppressive antivirals, but it's like I'm I'm yeah. there with you. Fun fact: as seventy percent of you know adults do, I get occasional cold sores. 80. It's eighty. It's eighty. H- HSV 80%. one is eighty, and I think it's like twenty or thirty for HSV two. Yeah. I read a really interesting thing about how they are fairly certain that those numbers are actually much higher. It's Probably. just because of report. the lack of testing and the high prevalence of asymptomatic and atypically symptomatic cases makes diagnosing it a nightmare because they don't actually test for it in a standard nope. panel. You of, have to really ask. You, you do because they don't, They if you are someone who's asymptomatic, there's no point in prescribing retroviral therapy because that's just an unnecessary strain right. on, you know, your systems when if you're not having outbreaks anyway, what's the point? Which... I also take suppressive, but actually that's the fun loophole I used. My cold sores is how I was able to get a prescription for yeah. valcyclovir, which also works as prophylaxis. Yeah. My doctor was like, I don't want to prescribe you suppressive therapies unless you're having outbreaks three times a year or more. And I was like, sorry, I don't want to get three outbreaks a year though. You know, but that's also why I don't eat sugar and I sleep really healthy and all of that. But I digress to you because I would love to hear about your health and safety practices and conversation. You were talking about how your professional life influences your personal life. So in my personal life, I request any partners that I'm with, not on the same schedule as a porn performer, of course, but I ask that they get, before we have any actual sex, I I want them to be tested in the same capacity that I'm tested. So I request request a gold standard panel, which is more tests than I can actually name off the top of my head, but it's all the biggies except for herpes because of the risk of overprescription. I also, any of the partners I have, we have open disclosure of risk factors, activities outside of, you know, our own personal relationship, just to make sure that we're making an informed decision based yeah. on risk assessment. When you ask them to get those tests, do you also look at them with your eyeballs? Because lately I've been like, I'd love for you to get tested. And someone's like, I did. And I'm like, could I see? Like, like, where do you fall on that kind of spectrum? So I request to see. Why? Okay, but two weeks ago, I had a new lover in my personal life who volunteered. This was one of the hottest things. He was like, I know that you want to use protection today because we're trust building, and that's fine. But I also just wanted to make you feel comfortable, and I wanted to show you my test results from last week. 
And he brought his computer that had his name on it. So unless he was very good at Photoshop, which I didn't get the vibe this person was. He was like, I even got tested for herpes. And I was like, uh. But then I looked. And there were HSV results. And I was I like, that. and I was like, well, it is okay. elective. Yeah. You can get it. You can get it done. And he but, had paid privately out of pocket to do everything, you know, because he's not a AHF Planned Parenthood type of person. You know, he was a dude that was like, I'm prepared. But he knew. He said, I even got tested yes. for herpes. Good point. Which means he knew that okay. that was something that was not included in a standard yeah. gold panel STI screening. Wild. Wild. Okay. So. What are safer sex conversations like with you? So you told us about partners. Is there anything else to say about like how you have the conversation or advice for people who might be nervous or maybe how you have it in your professional life? Like you talk to other talent or at the brothel. Like what do you, what are the procedures? Well, with I know talent, I just asked you five questions. It's okay. I can suss out most of them. The easiest one first. With talent, there is no need for a risk assessment conversation because we have QR codes that we can scan on each other's phones that pops up our test results and we can see the date of their last test, the date it was collected, and we can see how much time has surpassed. And then we honestly just say, do you feel like there's any unnecessary risk exposures that you would want to know about if it was from me? And I trust that they would tell me. So there's still an element of trust because of the professional container. Well, and also largely because like, okay, so ethically speaking, I'm supposed to keep my unprotected sex to strictly within the talent pool mm-hmm. if I'm getting talent tested mm-hmm. and I'm working on a test from talent testing or clear, which yeah. is the preferred company that I tend to use. If I then go out, if I get tested at clear and then I go to a sex party and I have unprotected sex with like seven people. Would you that do that night, at a sex party? God no. Okay. I was like, me neither, but okay. Oh good lord. Okay. No, okay. no, no, no. But Let's in fantasy world where Jupiter makes poor decisions, but let's say I do that and then I go and I go on set the next day and I'm like, look, I have a fresh test from yesterday. That's unethical of me. I would feel the need to disclose. I went out and I raw dogged seven strangers last night. But you wouldn't show up to set like that. Good God, no, no, no. Of course, again, of course not because my body, there's a standard misconception about the sex industry in that we are harbingers of disease and carriers of STIs and crotch rot and all of that good stuff. All Opposite. of the World War II propaganda Opposite posters. Is true. But actually, yeah, when you're when making your bills on time requires the functionality of your reproductive system, you are going to make sure that you're in good working order, getting tested, making safe choices. Because if you make one risky choice tonight, you might be in financial trouble for six months getting out of that hole. So it's actually lower rates of STIs in our community. It would be so fucking hot if the QR thing were normalized in slutty communities. Is it... Expensive? Can I ask? Is it expensive God, to yes. do clear? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because there's a pass system, right? It's it's the yeah the pass screening tool is specifically for performers. Right. So that's not like available to the civilian population. No, no, no. Yet. But in but fantasy safely, world, well, if but my sa- life goal is to make the world a sexier, more loving place by bringing that to the public. No, like, I know. Well, there actually there are companies. I think one of them is Safely that are actually trying to do something similar. But yeah, in a perfect world, I would love to just have the QR, like we're tested, we're all tested within a certain amount of time. But it is now that we're also getting tested for MGen and we're getting oral and rectal swabs and the urine and the blood and the everything. I think it's like $250 per test and the past standard is 14 days. So every 14, it's about $500 a month. 
Holy shit. So you pay it every time. It's not yes. like an unlimited. Clear does offer an unlimited pass. At least they used to. I don't know if they still do. Okay. But even that was, I believe it was 400 or 500 a month as well. Damn. So no matter what, you're paying at least four to 500 per month for testing to be in the past system. But just to tell you guys out there, AHF, you can look up, you can go to freestdcheck.org and you can find places to test online that are accessible to you. Just to say that. Okay, what about health and safety conversations in the brothel? I've interviewed a couple of other ladies and they've shared kind of their procedure, but do you feel like that's a fun thing to share here? You know, I really take it person by person. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm very open about the health and safety practices that I take that mm -hmm. are going to impact them during our time together. Things like the fact that any sort of digital penetration or basically anything involving a mucous membrane requires you to wear gloves mm -hmm. if you're going to touch it, wearing dental dams or laurels, if we're going to engage in oral sex, using condoms for every sex act. These are things that a lot of people don't do in their personal life, whether they're married or they just, most people don't really use dental dams, even though they should, they really should. But I go over that with every client. Okay. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, I I think we've talked about this before that we do a health check and well, make that's sure. what I love hearing about because I want that to be standard and I feel like you would be really good at explaining the inspection. So we do a health check where we just visually inspect genitals, looking for anything that's not supposed to be there, anything atypical, lumps, bumps, cracks, critters, anything oozing out of crevices or holes. And you get you know. a, you squeeze for a clear drop of precum yes. if it's a penis owner. If it's a penis owner, we squeeze for, you know, to make, basically you start out, I always ask to see belly button to upper thigh, and we start with a thorough inspection of the abdomen, the sides of the legs, the groin. And you're looking for bumps, like everything you said. Exactly. Anything, anything that is going to be out of the ordinary. Of course, we're also doing this inspection with gloved hands and an alcohol-soaked wipe so that that way if there's anything, any broken skin, we'll be able to tell if there's broken skin, if there's rashes. Unfortunately, the most common cause of a failed inspection is actually yeast because yeast is transmissible even with just skin-to-skin -skin contact. So we have to be very careful about that because we are trying to protect both our safety and the safety of all the other clients that would come in to see us. But yeah, we're just making sure everything looks like a textbook diagram visually. Of course, we can't expect everyone to get tested like we are every single week because yeah. we're tested every week. But they could at least get tested and not have other partners before they come visit you. I'm, in a perfect world, I'm just throwing out suggestions. In a perfect world, they could. But one of the things that I and I feel like a lot of our clients who come to see us here really appreciate about us is that we are a discreet place mm -hmm. for them to go. And if they are in a you know, relation, a committed relationship and they're getting STI tested and it's not part of their routine medical workups, that could run the risk of being less discreet for them. I understand mm. where people, there, there can be, while I want everyone to get tested regularly because even monogamous people can have STIs that you can be tested once and they can be dormant Mm -hmm. And you can get tested again and they only find it a sometime later. So yeah. it's always good to get regular screenings. Yeah. But I also understand why going out of the ordinary might be a red flag in somebody's personal life. And I, I respect that. Thank you for all of those details. I love going deep with health and safety and it's not everyone's uh, wheelhouse. But I love – I also just think the idea of – like deeply visually inspecting, to me, that's a turn on. Like I love looking and I've definitely freaked partners out looking, but I'm like, if we just started off, you know, cause it's like dogs sniffing each other's butts. I'm like, if we just started out being like, 
you know, I think that's fun. (laughs) My favorite thing is when, obviously, it's such a hot scenario. Like, hi, we just agreed to this, and now I'm going to look at your penis and make sure it's up to par. Something about it, the tension, it causes an insta boner in a lot of men. And I just, I adore the, really sorry about that. Every time. They get sorry. They get sorry. And I'm like, don't be sorry that you're turned on for me. This is wonderful. Yeah, also but if I you just that. made an agreement to like go get even more personal, that's so hot. It's, I know, I love it. <sighs> Anything else to say about safer sex in general? I think we covered it pretty good. Well, I mean, the only thing I really wanted to kind of circle back to is just the normalization of coming down with a crotch cold. I want us as a society for the best interest yeah. of health and safety and the non-proliferation of antibiotic resistant strains of STIs that we could have cured by now. It would be great if we could normalize our sexual health in the same way that we normalize our respiratory health. Yeah. And the same sort of care of like, Oh, sorry, I have a bad cold. I'm not going to sneeze in your face. Yeah. That's what it is. But other than that, I feel like we got real thorough. We did real thorough. Okay, so now take us through your personal sexy timeline, sex life, work life, whatever feels relevant, starting at the very beginning. When do you remember first hearing about sex and how did we get to the amazing, talented, sexy creature we know today? Well, I think I've told you before that like, I kind of grew up in a very religious cult borderline culty kind of household. So we didn't really have, it wasn't a very free love kind of situation at home. But I went to college in New York. And when I went to college, I I already throughout high school being bisexual, but being afraid to come out because I felt that shame and weirdness. I already kind of felt like what I was raised with was maybe not the whole picture. Okay. Um, but when I moved to New York and I realized that not only is like sex not shameful and it's like perfectly fine and normal and so long as you're not hurting anybody it's great but also things like you know alternative sexuality like kink and public sex and group sex and all of that all of that so long as it's healthy and not hurting anybody i mean it's something that people do in public it's something that people host parties for yeah. and how did you even- learn about this though and like Can you say how you knew you were bisexual? Oh, I mean, I knew I was bisexual as soon as I realized that every time they talked about being gay, I got really nervous. Okay. Like, I I don't know if that's like... Really? Yeah, it's kind of... It's hard to, like, really describe, but, like, I... When I was younger, I thought that everybody looked at girls and, like... Or knew they were beautiful. And knew they were beautiful and, like, wanted to, like, you know be their friend, but, like, really, really be their friend. Deeply. Like, Deeply. so much. Like, I want to be your BFF so hard. Okay. But that, that it was a little bit different. And I only really put my finger on it when there started being conversations about, like, you know, the abominations of homosexuality. And okay. the first time I heard someone, like, you know, throw out the dyke word, I, like, got, like, even though it wasn't directed at me, it was, like, weirdly, like, I didn't know that I was the target that it would land on, but I felt it land on me. Shit. And it okay. felt like okay. it was someone, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't figure out I liked ladies until I was 25. And that was, like, after I had started sleeping with pussy owners. Yeah, no, I, like, I like knew, I, I felt like, it's like if you have to ask, is there a problem? There's definitely a problem. It's like that. Like, I, I was, like, I knew I, I felt like I had to hide how I felt about other girls. Until you got to New York. 
was there a moment of like, like, was it a friend group? Was it a, like, how did you get exposed to play parties and kinky things? And, I mean. Or is it sex work? Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you were listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like boner softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Blue Chew, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age and I'll just say... The night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn-on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it, and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. So some of it was sex work. Okay. Some of it was just the people because I was like super goth and like, you know, I already kind of knew that I was going to be more myself once I moved to New York. Like that's why I was so adamant to get out of Ohio when I moved there is because I wanted to not have to worry about, you know, anyone I know running into me. Like when you move to a new city, I mean, you can be reborn if you want to be, right. you know. I knew that that was what I was moving for. And then it's just kind of, I met one person who was a fellow weirdo trying to rent a room on Craigslist and we became friends. And then it just kind of one party here, one party there, a business card for a dungeon later. And uh, I mean, I'd already been dancing at a strip club. I celebrated my birthday in a strip club, actually, because I was trying to move to New York. And I had a friend of mine who I was like lamenting because I was working at Taco Bell and just hating my life. And I was just like, man, I need money. I need to make money. I need to make money so I can move to New York. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll never save up enough to get out of here. And my friend, I'll never forget, she looked at me and she was like, you know, I think I might have an answer for you. What did you think when she was like stripping? Well, my first reaction, actually enough, was like totally on board, but I'm not hot enough to do that. Dude, like I was I like, I'm not hot enough to do that. I was like, I don't have the skills. And yeah. then I tried to get them and that was like, 
I've seen Coyote Ugly. I'm not that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, that was Damn. my that was my response. But then she was like, no, 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 honey, you don't get it. You're already there. You're or you don't have to work out. You don't have to change anything about yourself. You're already hot enough. She taught me the figure eight. She taught me the basics. She had a pole in her house and she taught me the basics of like, here's how you dance on it. Here's how you climb it. Here's how you do X, Y, Z. And then on my 18th birthday, she took me up to the strip club okay. and like cheered me on while I auditioned because she already worked at that strip club and she cheered me on while I auditioned. And that's how I afforded my first car. It's how wow. I afforded my, you know, first like adventuring out into the world was I called it half naked fundraising. <laughs> I want to do full well, naked fundraising. I'll well, do Ohio that has really strict laws. Of, even back then, they have really strict laws about pole dancing. So, like, you, you're not even allowed to be naked. You have oh. to have your nipples painted, and you have okay. to wear pasties, all, or you have to wear, yeah. like, panties at all times. So, Damn. like, I'll shake my ass for some college tuition. I forget that people aren't fully naked. I'm reading a book right now about a burlesque dancer, and they're talking about dancing naked on stage, and they got to the pasties part, and I'm like, Oh, there's pasties always, though? I thought they got naked. And it's, I forget that naked means different things. So would you say that you already identified, like, had you been having sex at this point? Like, partnered sex or exploring your own body at this point? I mean, yes. I had had a little bit of what I considered sex. I had a boyfriend in high school. Did you feel confident about sex? Or like, because for me, I was like, I couldn't do stripping. I'm not good enough. And like, I don't know, you know, what was your feeling about it? You were just like, all right, I'm doing it. And then you bought a car. I was here for it largely because I, like I said, I was a goth chick, you know, like from... I'd say around like 14 is when I started buying my clothes from like Hot Topic and like Chain Link Addiction, which was like the local like goth punk store. Okay. So like I would show up to, you know, school in like garters and like fishnets and all sorts of crazy stuff. I've got great pictures from back in the day. Were you a goth stripper or did you go Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got some fun pictures. And it was way before it was like a thing. Like they used to make me paint my tattoos. There was one, I had bright pink hair and they there was the one strip club in Ohio that used to make me wear a freaking wig. It made me look like Glenn Danzig. It was so stupid. Um, Wait, who? I don't know who that is. He's the late singer of the Misfits. It's oh, not a good oh, look. Oh, oh. It's not a good look. <laughs> Anybody out there who got it, like it's not a good look. But, you know, things are much easier these days for the alternative ladies. But yeah, like I was already so used to being sexualized because even at like 14, 15, walking down the street on my way to school carrying a backpack, I was being sexualized already. I had, oh. you know, people catcalling and men trying to offer me rides and things like that. And I figured if I'm going to be sexualized, I might as well be able to pay my rent with it. And be in charge of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, taking agency of my own sexualization is, I think, the largest single factor in how I got to negative nine because it's the combination of Sexy Sin Eater, everything is normal. Literally everything is normal. The most upstanding members of society have something real weird they're into. Unless you're in pain, probably normal. And unless you're choosing the pain on purpose. You know what I mean? I was going to say, unless you really like the pain. Well, that's but that's a chosen pain. Emily Nagoski of Come As You Are says that, you know, probably normal unless you are physically in pain and you're not choosing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. Yeah, Yeah, like intentional pain is different from unintentional organ So speaking of intentional pain, did – Going to the dungeon overlap with stripping? Was it separate? Did you understand you were kinky before dungeon? Did dungeon teach you how to be kinky? Was it a whole so chaos I, circle? I, it's kind of a little bit of a chaos circle, but there really wasn't much, if any, overlap between the strip club and the dungeon. Because when I moved to New York, I still kept dancing for a little bit, but my workload at school was kind of outrageous, okay. especially for having to work as much as I did. 
And also, if you can't tell, I'm a very dramatic individual. And I really, the one thing I really loved about stripping and that made it a fun job, even the nights that it was a slog, was that I could pick my own music and I could go up on stage and, you know, make a little stage show and attract attention or at least have fun up there. And in New York, all of the strip clubs, it's the same thing as kind of in most of the clubs in Las Vegas, where it's just like five stripper poles and everybody's up on stage at the same time. So it's an endless loop of... Okay. And I hated it because it didn't feel like theatrical. It literally took it from feeling like like a low rent burlesque dancer to or arguably high rent because they make way more money than burlesque (laughs) but the outfits are cheaper it's true Um, (laughs) and less work to make god bless yeah but it kind of removed so much of the joy from stripping that when i got introduced to bdsm as a job i was like oh yeah because then i have complete creative control over the entire experience and i'm still monetizing my sexualization, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So is that where you learned, you said you like impact play. So is that where you like learned about it most? And then can you tell us your favorite types of impact? So working in the dungeons is how I learned that I enjoy, you know, that dynamic and I enjoy that atmosphere. And I really do like impact play and having that control over someone. But it wasn't until honestly, years later that I got into porn and realized that I enjoy receiving it as well. So that there's actually about a decade, almost a decade in between learning about safe impact zones and implements and all of those important things with impact play. As a top. As a top. And then almost a decade in between before I actually, I mean, of course I would try out, you know, any implement I'm going to use on a sub or a bottom, I'm going to try on myself first that I can have an idea of how it, you know, feels on the skin, but never had I, you know, taken on that role as a bottom until years later. Okay. Okay. I mean, I would imagine too, with all of that experience, it would require a professional or a very, very, very knowledgeable nerd to be able to hold satisfying space for you. Yeah. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's a lot. I'm a lot to keep up with at this point in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> So... What are your favorite types of impact? I like slapping, stinging, whippy. Giving. Oh, giving? Oh, giving. I love flogging, even though it's not particularly extreme. I just, I do really enjoy flogging. Yeah, you're really good at it. Thank you. (laughs) I also really enjoy spanking, you know, paddling, like basically anything that lets me kind of almost like edging. I really do because I I have been told by some and I'd like to consider myself fairly good at reading other people's energy and where they're at Mm. in the moment in terms of how close they are to, you know, I like pushing the boundaries, never breaking the boundaries, never getting right up against them. But I like any play that allows me to play long enough to kind of like ease up and back on that boundary. And as a submissive, I really like it when a top wants to take me to my edge. Maybe I need to mercy, but I don't want to fully break. Like I still want to feel proud that I got stretched and tried something new. You know, like when someone is just like doing, you know, like with my former dom at the end, it was like boop, boop, boop. And I was like, but my experience, where's my experience? Can I also say I have seen you use a single tail? Amazingly. Like Thank that's, you. How did you learn that? Like, that's a special skill. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> Practice how did you decide, perfect. like, what order of toys to get? Was it just, like, how did they come into your life? Or, or is it? Well, so the single tail, I actually, truth be told, when I use a single tail in session, I know you've seen this before. 
I only crack it to scare them. I never actually use it as a full extended whip with a client because okay. I still don't consider myself skilled enough with a single tail, even after well over a decade of practice with it. I do not have enough faith with me and my one good eye that I am going to have the aim that's enough to not potentially inflict damage on someone. So anytime I'm using a single tail, it's always doubled over. I'm not going to brag about skills that I don't have. I am good with using a whip. I'm very great at show whipping and, you know, cracking it, scaring people, all of that good stuff. I don't use a single tail just on a... Uh, I'm not at that level. I have so much awe and I would love to... Someday, I actually, before the pandemic, I had paid for a workshop to go and hone more of my whip skills, among other things. And unfortunately, it had to get canceled and refunded. So I never got to do it. But that's actually on my list of like, someday, I will feel confident that I won't be a risk to my play partner to use a single tail on flesh. But right now, I use the crack as psychological fear, you know, put them in the zone of, "Uh oh, bad things are happening. But it's good things. Okay, so how did we get from working as a pro-dom to a professional porn actress and legal brothel courtesan? So we actually take a wild left turn. I actually got completely out of the sex industry, not because I was like, oh, I'm done with the sex industry, but just because I wanted to go to Europe Mm. after I got done with college. So I went overseas, and it was just supposed to be a three- to six-month backpacking trip As soon as I realized that I could make money just by singing with my guitar. It's so hot. It was so hot. But as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh, screw going back to the U.S. I'm staying here. And I stayed overseas for like five years, entirely just traveling around and playing music for a living. Did you bang people along the way? I did, actually. That was in my like... So one of my top kinks that I didn't list because I don't have to speak about it publicly because it gets satisfied all the time in my job. One of my top kinks is casual sex with strangers. I love having sex with strangers. And it's not like – it doesn't have to be hot strangers. I mean, like I have I, – I take them big. I take them small. Well, I take there's them young, hot. I take there's them different old. types there's all of different hot. kinds of hot. And you mean scenarios like meeting, are hot. meeting the strangers out in the world. Yeah. Like yeah. I – love banging strangers it's like a thing that i actually haven't had like random hookup sex with a stranger in the longest time because i get that kink so thoroughly fed here but i did that a lot in europe wait like right away because i met someone on the street last week for the first time and then like five days later i spent all day fucking them and it was so hot and it was like it's the cutest meat cute i've had in a minute especially since i've had my boundaries up since i mean i imagine you get i already get Dozens of inquiries weekly and monthly. I can only imagine what makes its way to your inbox. But you still find it satisfying to go, like, discover a rando? Yeah. I love that. I mean, I actually – I got correctly mistaken for a sex worker at (laughs) – they were right, but I was off the clock. I right. wasn't working. I stayed at a hotel here in Vegas that yes, will remain. But no, <laughs> I will, they'll remain nameless because I don't believe in trashing businesses online. But I stayed at a hotel here with my best friend for a few days, and he went. My best friend is a boy, and he went back to Ohio. And I still had another night at the hotel, so I was like, "Uh huh, I'm gonna get some strange." So I went out. I met a cutie, invited him up to my room. I like the brazen harlot I am. And the sex was not amazing. I actually, I feel bad. I made him feel a little bad. But I thought he was going to be a communicator. Anyway, 
not going to get distracted. After I left, after I checked out, there was a $500 charge on my bill for towels that they needed to replace. What? A $500 charge for towels. And I was like, what on earth? And I called and they wouldn't give any explanation. And it had to be explained to me by one of the less clueless women in the industry that they charged me $500 as like a yeah, they you, they saw you go up to your room with two different dudes, and the one dude you picked <gasps> up at the bar in a casino. They assumed you were working as a freestyler. They charged you so you wouldn't come back. I fucking hate that. I'm like literally fucking Spotify. I'm, I'm following the rules. I would like, just like to have it on the record that I was not being a whore. I was being a slut. Yeah, I was being a slut, not a whore. God That's, damn it! There's a distinction. There's a distinction. Dude, and you go out of your way to do things legally. I do. No, I seriously, I am. I sleep very soundly at night. There is only legal activities on my roster. I would never casino freestyle. I would never restaurant freestyle. I would never, you know, that's just, I'm too scared for that. I'm very murderable. I don't have the social skills. I'm very, I'm very arrestable, very murderable. Thank you, but no thank you. Decrim for all. Anyway. Okay, so you're up, and now, but now you're here. So, yeah, anyway was about five years in Europe. I came back here to the United States. I actually planned to emigrate to Europe, but my grandfather got sick mm. and I was the only person who was, you know, feasibly available to step in and help take care of him. So I spent uh, about seven years off and on being his caretaker. And two years before he passed away, I was just bartending, waitressing. That way I could have a regular schedule and, you know, less to explain while I was caretaking. But after he passed away, it was like, well getting a boob job and doing porn. But what led me to the brothel was actually a cracked article. I had been completely out of the sex industry for years and I was already thinking like, okay, next moves. I don't want to be a bartender for the rest of my life. All of the trades are really sexist. You know, what can I do that's going to make me happy? And the important part, something is different every day so that I don't get so bored and understimulated that life isn't fun anymore. And... I read this cracked article about being a legal courtesan and I was like, oh, sold. And I applied on a whim thinking it was going to take them months. I got hired within 24 hours and I've been here ever since. Wow. Yeah. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. 
Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. And then you started doing porn after? Yeah. And uh, I, that's why I said I had to backtrack and and really think about it. Because I was here for about two years before I did porn. I actually didn't start doing mainstream porn until after the pandemic. But I got into porn largely because of a client that I had here. <gasps> that's hot. She had... She, yeah, I know. She was... I miss her. I love her. Uh, yeah, no, she was delightful. Uh, absolutely, like... Just, excellent conversationalist. And that's not a euphemism. She was just really fun to talk to, among other things. But she had a favorite porn star since age. And she was like, I would love for you to make a video with her. Would you be willing to? And I was like, sure. Because I had made a couple of clips, like, you know, nothing serious. Just like, you know, I'm going to pee in the woods, like fetish clips. And I was like, sure, but this lady is a legend. There's no way she's going to film with me. Well, she said yes. And I shot with her and she was like, dude, you're really good at this. You should do more of this. And I did one more film in February of 2020, right before the shutdown. And that film got not only my second project ever, got nominated for an AVN. So I know. Oh, but during the pandemic year? Yeah. So I got to go to the my first AVN as a nominee, but it was from my couch. Damn. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. But did you masturbate then? No. In the privacy of your... Okay. No. I was on a live stream with the rest of the crew that had made that movie. Uh-huh. So it... Not a turn on in the same way. <laughs> I wasn't trying to like... <laughs> okay. I feel like that would have been... Kind no, that's an important piece everyone's of context. Yeah, no, a, that's an important piece of context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I will say I was so happy I could have jilled off. But that was all I need. Like kind of the sign I needed from the universe. Like, oh, bitch, you are good at this. And again... Fake titties and a porn agent. And now here we are. Amazing. I just wanted to backtrack and make it very clear that as much as I make jokes about, you know, got fake tits and got a porn agent, you don't need fake tits to get a porn agent. I just want to throw that out there. Natural boobs are great, too. You don't so need them to be successful saying, in porn. So you're saying there's All hope? boobs. I'm saying all boobs are good boobs. I agree. All I boobs agree. are good boobs. No such thing as bad boobs. Do you have boobs? They're good. I promise you. But specifically in this room, what are you saying about mainstream porn? I'm just saying I would watch. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would stream. <laughs> okay, so like, how has it been? Turn-ons, turn-offs, sexiest parts of your job, least sexy parts of your job. Like, what have you learned about pleasure in general and in your own body? Literally. And less literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of already touched on the fact that, like, I didn't realize that I liked receiving impact play mm-hmm. until recently. And by recently, I mean within the last, like, three years or okay. so. And that is 100% because of this job. Because I realized I had a freakishly high pain tolerance. And I was in a movie where it was like, well, can we whip you and cane you and stuff like that? And I was like, let's try it. That was your I'm first time? curious. Yeah, my first time getting caned was on film. Yeah, I like to have my first That's on film. A lot. Well, you, I'm wanting to do my own personal bucket list. I mean, I've done a lot of things, but I want to document everything just because I'm curious and I get turned on by that. And it is so hot to me that your first are like not just documented, but you got paid to document them. Like, yeah, my very first, like my first DP scene, like on kink.com, is my first DP, like, period. I like, still haven't had my first DP, so maybe that's. Can recommend. 
Can recommend, yeah. Can you tell us, what can you tell us about it? Like how much, like what do you remember about it's, it? Were you nervous? Had I you was, done anal before? Not with a real dick. Really? Yeah. <gasps> what? So I'm did you brave. know how to prepare? Were you just like learning? Like what, and because so, my understanding is camera preparation is a whole other level even from personal play. I have the gift slash curse of constipation. So that, that wasn't as, as big, the, the prep wasn't as big, that wasn't my concern. I have, I can't poop when I want to. So I'm not, wasn't really afraid that I was going to poop on my co-stars. Like that was not a concern, but the bigger concern for me was just that, like, I was afraid that I might, you know, if, cause these guys we're not talking like normal, like, you know, neighborhood bar dicks. We're talking like the NBA of, you know, swordsmanship here like these are penis professionals so like i was a little bit afraid of like tearing or bleeding or hemorrhoiding or anything like that but no these guys were great professionals answer is just buckets of lube and you know taking the time to warm up but like yeah i discovered that my butthole's a gymnast that's so cool i just i have an inflatable butt plug i haven't used yet have you ever used one no no i have like graduated i've started playing with graduated butt plugs and then i found like i have like a pegging toy that is like very hyper realistic dick but like it's like kind of like a lot of real dicks it's smaller at the end than it is at the base so like you can kind of like work it in and work it up and like john strong like amazing at what he does like i was like mostly worried about again being able to take dicks and also like what if i fall off like what if i'm like what do you mean fall off? Like, like fall, fall off, off the dick? Because, like, well, I'm not going to show you right now because there's a microphone. Yeah, yeah. But, like, there's, like, only really two positions that you could – three, really, that you can, like, really effectively get DP'd at in for the camera because they need to be able to see. Right. And that is either you and doggy style, which is less comfortable yeah. because of the angle. Angles. Or essentially missionary, although I don't think the missionaries would approve. Um, <laughs> New missionary. <laughs> well, you're a trailblazer, a trailblazing trollop. <laughs> should we call that the backslide? <laughs> but where you're like laying back, so you're balancing on someone's torso yeah, with their yeah. dick in your butt. That's what my partner who teased me, he's like, I would be the base and then we'd have someone else yeah. on top of you. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Dude Fucking didn't liar. let me fall. <gasps> Dude didn't let me fall at all. And even though he had like the biggest dick of like, As I recall, he had one of the biggest dicks on set, like, which he also, like, was very, like, accommodating because I was very open about, like, this is my first anal seat. All those guys were great. But, like, he's the one who, like, I balanced on and didn't get dropped. So, like, eternal love. So he's laying down? Yeah, laying down and, like, kind of, like, holding my legs up to make sure that I'm, like, balanced while I'm, like, you know – so you're the opposite direction on him? I'm trying to imagine this. Yeah, like, it's, like, my back on his stomach – Laid back. Okay, okay. Like sitting in his lap. Sitting in his lap, essentially, but then laying down with, like, on top. Okay. So, so that he can have dick and butt and guys can come up. Because, again, it was a six Multiples? Guy. Multiples? It was, it was, my first anal was a six-guy DP gangbang for kink.com. So he stays in the back? Yeah. And then others just come take in? Take turns oh my coming God. in. Did they line them up by size? That's one of my greatest fantasies. Not that I recall. Oh, I want to tell that. And not to I be a size thing, but just because I like think. Like the Matroitska dolls of, like, dicks? I love that. Or even base size. Like, I don't care. Either way, like, I love to line stuff up. I find it so satisfying. So, like, I'll line up papers and napkins. And I think so often about, like, lining up dicks and pussies and just pleasuring them or yeah. being used by them. I love it. It's like slutty so you autism. you have that in real <laughs> – I mean, it is. Yeah, it's, it's really slutty <laughs> autism. I love it. Can so, relate. Are there 
other firsts on camera that you have experienced or like uh, yes i learned what frotting is on oh, camera i want to take pictures i got to frot yeah you got to wait so you got to like facilitate it yeah i got to be the frotter remind because it is one foreskin going over the other dick or so frotting is essentially like ducking or sword fighting right. where like the foreskin doesn't have to be over it essentially a hand job in between oh. two dicks where they're like oh maybe like i don't know what fraud- two dicks. i thought frotting was two dicks at least one of them has a foreskin and the foreskin goes over the other dick and then that's yeah no 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 so you it's can do it with your with own hands, hands yeah. and toys it's like a chinese finger trap with dicks oh my god that's so fun it but you really use fun. your own hands but you use your hands yeah Oh my god. Or like your mom. I want to do that with As all was. sensations. Yeah. You're making my bucket list it was even really bigger. Fun. Oh it was a god. good time. That's that was really cool. Yeah, by four, yeah. Did your hands get tired? First. Did you have to practice hand No, no, no. We, trust me, they kept me busy doing other things. Like the hands didn't have a chance to get tired. That Amazing. was just one facet of like Yeah, yeah. What else? It was a full devil's three way. Although there was no DP in that scene because that okay. was more not every so, devil's three way has to have a but, DP. No, I know, but the fun one. Like have you have you ever three. had a DP and a cock in your mouth or just yeah. a spit roast? Yeah, yeah same yeah, yeah. same scene. Yeah, the kink.com scene. Yeah, it was for Savage Gangbang. So like, yeah, which they call that airtight is wow. when it's like all three oh. holes. Yeah. Oh. Airtight. I thought it yeah. had a different name. What's Eiffel? Oh, Eiffel Tower is just when they high five yeah. over you. Okay. Can you tell us about the like social aspects of being a porn performer? Have you met them before? Do you talk at all? What's the vibe? I'm sure it's different set to set. I've so, heard it's different set to set. I, I have actually still been figuring that out myself. I actually found out if you're a porn performer who I worked with in the first like three months of my time in the industry, you probably think I was trying to fuck you off camera because I didn't know. I didn't know that like inviting like oh hey do you want to go grab food or like inviting someone out is like a no-no like oh, it is yeah, i guess Thank so i don't know just I, i'm still figuring it out but in general like it's a very professional like you shouldn't like ask somebody like out afterwards unless everybody's going to do but something when i'm a professional photographer and i'm working with other photographers like when I was working EDC in Vegas, like we yeah. always would get food together. But it I guess it's diff- the context. Again, it's the whole group. Because the job. No, no, no. Yeah. It was just the two of us. Oh, okay. I don't know. But hmm. I feel like I'm still figuring it out. But I was informed that basically I might have made a bunch of people think that I was trying to bang them. So which like, I mean. There are additional layers of social confusion because the job is sex, maybe. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. And I'm still kind of <laughs> dissecting some of that because I've never been super great at like social cues and like reading the subtext of how I'm supposed to behave. I so, I'm just like friendly like I want to be everyone's friend and I don't buy into that whole like if you're a boy like or presenting yeah, yeah, as yeah. a boy and I'm present, like gender, then, yeah. then we must be also trying to be romantic yeah no seriously so like I, I was scissoring before I was sucking dick not actually scissoring though because I didn't realize that that's actually a thing until porn and it's fun <sighs> I always thought that scissoring was a lie. And or actually, just something no, to be done with Barbies. Or, or for Barbies. But no, no, no. Like, that's actually, it's so done hot. if positioned correctly. Tell us the Excellent. correct position. Oh, that's, it's different for everyone. It's all about, like, you have to, like, squish in there and figure out whether are we going to be doing, like, a Captain Morgan vibe? Are we going to be doing, like, side to side? It's Everybody is different. And it's all about, like, <sighs> where you are at that makes that perfect contact. Damn, contact. But, like, yeah, so when hot. when you find it. Is there anything? Okay, well, first, is there anything else we need to know? And then, are there any things that you haven't done yet that I you want to do? All you need to know so is much. everything. But all you need to know is you could probably find it all online to really find the comprehensive. Oh yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but the, the, 
Sometimes I look at the Pornhub views and I'm like, really? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> what about in brothel life? Are the turn-ons, turn-offs different there? I'm, I'm sure there's like a lot of overlap. You're holding space instead of having other people like hold yeah. space for you. So like what's the hottest parts of that for you? So, I mean, stranger sex, we got, we well, got that. Stranger sex is always great, but also there is a dynamic at the brothel that's not present anywhere else I've ever had sex. And that is I am curating a sexual experience solely for the pleasure of somebody else, which one, I'm very reciprocal. I'm turned on by turning people on. <gasps> I've never heard that term. How have I not? I it's am. It's a good one, right? Yeah. I can't take credit for it. A really cute ginger boy that I banged a while ago had that. As I've been like, all like, I have responsive desire, you know, which is the reciprocal. I'm yeah. going to say that. Um, but I'm super turned on by what like turns people on. Like I have gotten flooded wet at a dude who was putting his dick in a literal, uh, not Acme vacuum. What's the ones? The Kirby. The Kirby vacuums. This man had his own dedicated sex Kirby. We just heard from someone who has a, a dedicated <gasps> sex vacuum. I wonder if it's Wait Bunters, a minute. Bunters. Is if it you Bunters, have, Bunters? If, Did you used to go to the Salon de Sade and did we'll you hire out. two girls we'll to throw out. pillows at you and say mean things while you put your dick in a Kirby? Because if you are, I have loved you for years. You're one of my favorite people. Because that was one of the best fucking parts. Soaking oh, wet. It was great. Wow. We just literally yelled mean names at him and threw, like we ended up like Whoa. throwing, because it was like a humiliation thing. We were uh-huh. like throwing uh-huh. pillows at him and like making jokes. He was so happy. And like, again, I've never seen human meat do that. It was so good because it was great. But yeah, no, I would be happy with either outcome. Either A, the same man with a dedicated sex Kirby is one of your fans. Or we live in a world where there are, again, it goes back to however random you think your sexual proclivity is, there is someone else out there. And there was probably lots of other people out there who find it to be completely normal. Mm. And it is completely normal. You're not hurting that Kirby. That Kirby is doing its job. It was designed to do that. Okay. But yeah, no, I want to live in a world where there's multiple people who have dedicated sex Kirby's. It would explain how they're still selling those at the price point, to be honest. Wait. Kirby's are expensive. Really? Yeah. I haven't done that. But now I am, I was literally just fantasy because I've been playing with pussy pumps lately and I'm like, wait, I could put a vacuum on there. Hmm. I don't know if it would be a good idea, but. The um, Kirby's real strong. I'd be careful. Well, like, right. That's what I was thinking about. Like, I was like, would it cut my lips? Don't want it. Okay. So uh, you mentioned your wetness and I happen to have a little bit of foreknowledge that you're a very wet person. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. It is a miracle of nature that I have no control over. But yes, I am outrageously moisturized down there by nature. And do you have to make a special effort to hydrate or... No, no, no. If I get turned on, it's just a waterworks. Wow. Like my Linda Lovelace moment in porn was for the set of Four Finger Club 29 from New Sensations. <gasps> I got fisted and everybody on like set was like... <gasps> Because while that is the theme of the movie, they were expecting to cut to get me a bottle of lube before I got fisted, but it was definitely not necessary. Looking like the that scene in The Matrix where Neo wakes up in the pod, because my co-star was really hot. So That's yeah, like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. That was like my Linda Lovelace moment, though. Like, I've been known to like soak through. Like, I have to be careful, like what color like pants I wear. Like, if I'm going somewhere where like. I might get horny. Like, I will have, like, it looks like a sweat stain. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's so hot. Do you have fans who 
come find you at the brothel to see you? Is that a thing that happens? Is that weird? Is that fun? Yeah. Yeah. I get both ways where I get people who come to see me because they're fans of my work. And I love that. It makes me feel like a slutty celebrity. That's amazing. Um, You are. Thank you. You literally are. Thank you. It feels very disconnected because I only remember that that's the case. Like when I go to like conventions or like Mm. when someone comes here and they're like, oh my God, I love your work. Mm. Um, And I've also had a lot of people who come here and then they meet me and then they go on to Mm. follow my work. That's hot. And be like, oh my God, I can't believe that I didn't know about this. That's awesome. So like, yeah, it goes both ways. But I love when people who are fans of my work come and see me in person. Like what better way – to show you yeah. appreciate me. Yeah. And I know that you have like shepherded many first timers into the realm of sex. Do you have either advice for virgins or like favorite things about like being with a brand new newbie? I mean, not just virgins. I like, I don't know what I would call it, but I'm really turned on by being somebody's guide to something new. Yeah. I don't know what the name for that would be, but I really. Like, it's not even being turned on. It's, like, the joy. Because there is a very specific joy with having your fantasies met for the first time. Whether that is, you know, being addressed in a way that you've never been addressed before, but that you've always wanted to hear from a beautiful woman's mouth. Or whether it is trying something that you've only ever watched in video. Like, the joy that I see in people's faces that I get to, like, live in the moment with them is, like, unparalleled. And, like... It is a turn on, but it's more so like a fulfillment and like of both sexual and like emotional purpose, if you will. Like it, it feels really impactful. So what like fantasies or role plays have you not tried? I know you've been a stepmom. I was just talking about this. I've seen more than my fair share of single women at the brothel. And I've seen more than, you know, more than my fair share of couples at the brothel. I have never had a lesbian couple come to see me at the brothel. And I want so bad in every way because there's something so hot about working, like, with couples because I – that's where I feel like I learn – the most new things about sexuality is when it's almost like being like Jane Goodall, you know, like getting to see sexuality in the wild because it's like, it's not performative sexuality, like what I'm seeing on set, you know, it's actual, the real sexuality that these couples have felt out for themselves over the course of a real and, you know, extended relationship. And I just love getting to come along for like those rides because those are people that know each other's bodies And I've seen so many unique approaches to making people come. I would love, 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 please, please, lesbian couples, come come say hello. That's like the one, like, bucket list that I've not had here at the ranch that I would just adore. Cross off her bucket list fantasies. Damn. What would you say is the skill or quality that you have that makes you a great lover? My communication skills. I truly feel like there's no such thing as being bad at sex. There's just being bad at communicating with sexual partners. Mm. And I am fairly gifted as a communicator in general. And that doesn't stop once my clothes come off. And I feel like that is, you know, my ability to communicate paired with my willingness 
to communicate about sex while the sex is happening because that's what a lot of people are afraid to do. They can only talk about sex once the sex is not happening and mm. it's in a sanitized environment. But you can have conversations about whether or not you're enjoying sexuality in the moment. Yeah. And if the answer is no, it doesn't have to be, oh, well, okay, and putting your pants on like a certain gentleman at a certain casino that upcharged me. Um, <sighs> What a terrible yeah. overall terrible experience. That's bad communication. Uh, bad communicators. Because and you got charged for towels. Oh. Uh. When I said not Damn. really, when you asked if it was great, the answer should have been, how can we do better? Yeah. Not to put your pants on. Anyway, but that's my point, oh. though, is that communication is what makes for great sex. And I think that that is a gift I have in most arenas mm. is communicating. What are your hopes for your sexual and or professional future? For my own personal career, I just hope that I make enough of my own empire that I get to be a resource and a comfortable human for all of my days and that that can be true for all of the people I care about in my life. Yeah. But for the world at large, I mean, I hope that we are at the beginning of an era where sex work is accepted and that everybody realizes that somebody they love is a sex worker and that almost everybody they love indulges in the you know wares of a sex worker whether it's yes. online or in person and i'd love to see you know a country where we have at least laws that are on par with the rest of the industrialized world. At my core, I'm a harm reductionist. I feel like, you know, you can't change the status quo if you don't survive the status quo. And I would love to see a future where we are accepted and appreciated for who and what we are. I fucking love that. If you could wave a magic wand and teach everyone in the world something about sex, what would it be? Lubricant and needing lubricant is not indicative of amount of arousal. Like, I feel like if there's one thing that I wish everybody knew is that everyone needs lube, whether you're playing by yourself or playing with a partner. Even you, you're very wet. You I am, still need lube. I am a fountain. Like, I, I literally drip. I had to change my pants on the last, like, hike I went on because I thought of something hot. And they were like those like army green, you know the shorts, I'm talking about the army green shorts. I had a black splotch of like, not like black, but like darker Ugh. green. I had to literally change my pants. I will soak through my pants. I have to grab lube because after a couple of orgasms, my body same, just same. naturally says, okay, so the sex is done. Mm. You had your orgasm. Mm -hmm. And if you had an orgasm, he definitely did. So the body <laughs> stops production of these really important things because it assumes that sex is over. I need lube. I mm -hmm. still want more sex, even if, you know, there's so many different factors. But and I get vigorous. I sweat. I get dehydrated. Also, I want to say the phrase hot harlot hike. Hot, wet, harlot hike. <laughs> that, that, that part. And, and also, I side note that most people, when they're talking about lube, are so, so focused often when we uh, talk about lubricant being normalized between partners. A lot of men, and not just men, but penis-having humans, all penis-havers, don't realize how important using lubricant is to your overall ability to orgasm with partners because if you're not using personal lubricant with your personal play your body is going to be very used to a higher level of friction than your partners are going to provide and you're not going to have yeah. orgasm yeah. so 
Using lube when you masturbate makes you have better sex when you're not fucking Palmella and her five sisters. Love it. Love it. Palmella and her five sisters. <laughs> I love it. You're so good at words. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, understanding that everything unfolded perfectly to be where we are today, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? I would go to like 13-year-old me. Who is like, I mean, I'm still a big smelly dork, but now I'm aware of the fact. Well, yeah, but like I am a metaphorical smell. I see. I see. Not metaphorical, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I think metaphorical. Uh, Figurative. Oh, yeah. yeah. Smelly. Not a literal smelly. Figurative smelly dork. Figuratively smelly dork. But I would love to just tell me to go back. I always wish I could send myself postcards, but just calm your titties. Mm. the boys you're like the boys the girls the everybody you're gonna have a great time you're gonna turn out hot and it's all gonna be fine Mm. just calm your titties and Mm. stress less there was a whole like six months i didn't touch my computer because i looked at porno on my home computer and i was afraid if i touched it that it was gonna somehow tell on me (gasps) that's a whole different story oh wow but that's a real one did not touch my home computer for like months it might have even been longer than that it was for Ever, I didn't touch my computer because I was so afraid if I turned it on because my stepdad worked in networking. So, like, he could, like, see what I did on my computer but not on my computer. So I was like, if I turn it on, they can see. I didn't know that that's not how hard drives work. They could see it even if it wasn't on. But, oh, my God. And, yeah, like, I lived in fear of, like, getting caught out. And, like, yeah, man, just calm your titties. Like, don't worry about the boys or girls who like you. Don't worry about – whether or not it's going to be found out that you like sex because it's the only reason the human race is here is because everybody likes sex. Exactly. It's like we our literally wouldn't creativity, exist. Our original creativity. We all have it. We all have a relationship with sex. We all got born from it. Fantasy brainstorm time. If. Oh, well, this question doesn't really work for you. Oh, no. What well, is it? I'll change I it. I'll change it. If you had to be a different kind of sex worker for two years minimum, this is the new... You turn 18 and this is the service you provide in my dictatorship. Okay. (laughs) What other type of sex worker would you be? You know, just because of how, you know, I've been told by a lot of people like that work here. And if you look at my reviews on the website, I swear to you, I don't write my own reviews. Like, but they all say the same thing again and again and again and again and again. If you wrote the same thing over and over, that would be a bad business practice. Fair enough. But I feel like when it's like really repetitive, like, you know, like I swear, but like they all say the same thing, which is that like, I immediately, something about the way I carry myself and interact with people makes people comfortable and it makes them feel like they've known me for a lot longer than they have. And it gets described often as, you know, it feels like hanging out with an old friend that you just haven't seen in a while. And I feel like, I mean, if I wasn't doing what I do right now, I mean, I would probably, very similar to what I do right now, I'd probably look into like professional cuddling and like, you know, therapeutic like cuddle sessions just because my favorite things involve affirming that you're normal, you're okay, and nothing is wrong with you. And if I'm doing that while we're spooning, all the better. I love that. I tried to be a cuddler. Cuddle Comfort took my profile down because they found my OnlyFans. They're real whorephobic They're horophobic. I didn't realize it. Yeah, they don't understand that whores have boundaries. Like I was like, I'm not here to be a – what? It's like I told the guys at, you know, the casino, like, I am a whore – but not here. Yeah. I'm a whore in Pahrump. Okay. It's an hour away. You can get a limo here. I highly recommend driving yourself because you do want to check out our winery and have as much flexibility in your time with me as you possibly can. But not a whore 
on the strip. Not yeah. a whore anywhere but here. Only place I'm a whore. Uh, we can have boundaries. I can cuddle and I can, can restrain my harlotty ways. Like I can. I thought you were going to say phone sex operator because your voice is so sexy. I've been a phone sex oh, operator. Oh, that makes sense. I've also been a phone psychic. You have? Yes. In your perfect world, what bucket list item of yours would you like me to help you cross off? I guess if I had a girlfriend, I could bring her and – but besides that. Yeah. There's a lot on that list. I feel like I would be able to do this fantasy with you because you're somebody who I do very deeply trust with my safety. I would love to do like a sensory deprived, like forced orgasm <gasps> scenario someday. I've just never felt safe enough, like with partners that it would be like a, we could do this. Oh, that's But hot. like I have a fantasy and mind you, it ties into a few other fantasies for sure because there's multiple ways to do it. But I've always kind of like been turned on at the idea of like almost like free use but like you know i'm kind of like you know the oh that's just the slut tied to the bed <laughs> Ooh, and then I like you know that. like i don't know like when someone's gonna come over and like give me an orgasm or not like that sounds really hot the slut tied to the bed is our little toy today so right? we're gonna play with it and yeah, we're like, just gonna mm, but just, we have to make it feel good oh this toy this is a squirting toy this is my human squirt gun mm. yeah it's kind of like you know Fun activities for afternoon tea. Just like, you know, a good afternoon of being like a slut strapped to the bed. It sounds I like fun. It. Yeah. All right. I'll add it to my bucket list. <clears throat> hey. And lastly, you have an unlimited budget to build your perfect playroom or dungeon or castle or whatever you want. What would it be like? I've already told you about this. I have a dream of a magical forest glen. I, I think of it kind of as like the hex, you know? It's roughly based on the shape of the brothel, but I would like to have a campground, first and foremost. A, for the most part, vanilla campground. Like, it has families, people who come hang out, you know, graduations, all that, you know, totally normal. But at the back of the property, there is a very tall fence, very tall fence, that is dotted by, I'd say, maybe five or six or eight houses, little small houses with different themes, you know, big open spaces, of course, but different themes. Maybe a medical room, maybe yes. an orgy pit room, yes. maybe this one's the classroom. Oh. And in between big open space, just a nice like courtyard in the center, you know, so we have privacy yeah. uh, with the fence in between the houses, but also privacy in between the houses, not just it. one house. And kind of have like an adults only section yes. to this campground where yes. you can film there. I would like to have my own film studio there and also rent it out as like sex parties and yes. adult vacations and all People of that. People could get married there. People could get married Very in the slutty marriages. Married in the vanilla section and then have your after party in the mm. slut section. It's a dream. If you would like to be an angel investor, you can find me at allmylinks.com slash Jupiter Jetson. I was about to say Jupiter Jetson, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. It was a genuine pleasure talking about pleasure. Lovely humans, thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcast, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. <laughs> I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, 
Apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wiley, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Yole.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love, to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. (laughs) 